1: I am so excited when there are things that are a little bit not according to plan. Because I've found that when God interrupts what we expect, that it's always because he's doing something. My favorite verses in the Bible are the ones that I come upon and they're real head scratchers to me, where it seems like, why? Why are you talking about this right now? It totally interrupts the storyline. What's this detail in here doing here? And I feel like God is going to interrupt what we're expecting tonight. Because he has a word in season for his people. So, God, I pray that you would open our ears, open our eyes, open our minds, and open our hearts to see, hear, understand, and believe all that you have for us. God, I pray that you would empty us out so that we would be filled afresh tonight, that you would empty out our lungs so that we could breathe in your breath and we would be forever changed in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. You guys can take a seat. So tonight, I'm going to be talking about Abram and uh, who became Abraham. And I've been reading the story of Abram into Abraham in the Bible, and there were some head-scratching things about Abram's life to me. You know, there's a lot of people in the Bible whose lives are marked, oh, hey, 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 (laughs) hey, unexpected things, come on, um, You know Abram made some Abraham actually made some uh, pretty big mistakes that uh, that the Jewish people that all people are actually still paying for today but he was a friend of God he was one that God t- spoke to personally he was a one that interacted with God on a personal basis, that God showed him things that were unusual. God had big plans for his life, but he still gave Abram and then Abraham free will. And the things that Abram chose, the things that Abraham chose weren't exactly right, But God still blessed his life and is still blessing his generational line. Amen? Amen. So I was reading in the story of Abram, and you you can go back in your Bible. I'm not going to read you all of Genesis 12 through Genesis 22. We don't have time, and you would be bored senseless. So I'm going to condense that story for you a little bit. And then we're going to get into some scripture in Genesis 17. But in Abram's life, Abram knew God personally. Talks about it in Genesis 12, all through the scriptures talking about his life. God made a promise to Abram in Genesis 12. God, Abraham had favor with God and was made rich in Genesis 13. God gave Abram The land of Canaan took him outside, had him look over this whole land and said, I'm giving this land to you and to your descendants. God gave Abram vision for what his life was going to look like, not just in his generation, but what life was going to look like through him for generations to come. Abram was made victorious in the battles that he fought. He was made victorious for Lot and Abram. Uh, Abram even was a tither. He tied to Melchizedek in Genesis 14, and God made a covenant with Abram in Genesis 15. In Genesis 17, God took, or in Genesis 15, God took Abram outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you'll have. God gave Abram promises. Abram heard from God. What? What? Okay, okay, well, hey, we're just gonna roll with it tonight, okay? If we eventually get screens, hey, hey, okay, okay, how many people know, how many of you know that God is never late, but he's also frequently never early, All right, so in uh, God gave Abram a promise, but instead of trusting God's timing, Abram took things into his own hands. So uh, let's go into to Genesis 17, 1 through 8. Do we, have, do we have that ability yet? Almost? Almost? Hey, hey, okay. So these are all the things that God did with Abram. <laughs> Short format, if you want to know, take a picture. If not, I would recommend just reading the scripture. It's easier. There's a lot of rich things in God's word. And one of, the, one of my favorite things about being asked to preach is that it forces me into God's word. And how many of you know that God's word is living? Living that God has his written word, but he also has it, which is logos in, uh, in the Hebrew, but he also has his rhema word, which is the word that he is speaking to us. And when we spend time in his logos word, it will come alive and he'll breathe his rhema word into us. Amen. Amen. Okay. So Genesis 17. Awesome. When, uh, Abram, Is that where we are? Genesis 17 one. Okay. So when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. And then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. I also give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And if we skip down to verse 15, then God said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her or call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. Then Abram fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 99 years old, bear a child? And Abram said to God, Oh, that Ishmael may live before you. Then God said, no, Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. As for Ishmael, I've heard you. "'Behold, I've blessed him and will make him fruitful "'and will multiply him exceedingly. "'He shall get 12 princes "'and I shall make him a great nation. "'But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, "'whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year.' "'Then he finished talking with them "'and God went up from Abram. "'Before this, God had taken Abram outside "'and said, look up at the stars. "'If you can count them, I will give you more descendants.' than these stars. Abram had all of this blessing from God. He had a blessed life. He had a connection with God. He was tithing, he was plugged in. But there was one thing that he couldn't believe for. God made him a promise and he couldn't see a way for God's promise to happen. So he took matters into his own hands. And instead of believing God, And having a child with his wife, he had a child with his wife's maidservant and caused all kinds of havoc that we're still paying for today. And it is what it is. Abram prayed for that son that God would bless him and God blessed that son as well. Even in your mistakes, when you come back to God, things can still be blessed, not just for you, but for generations to come. But it wasn't God's plan. Abram was capable of a lot of things on his own strength with God's blessing, but it wasn't until God breathed his life into Abram that things really changed. That when God changed Abram's name from Abram to Abraham, he added the letter Hey. The letter Hey in the the Hebrew alphabet is the breath of God, the spirit of God. You can be in God's house, you can be doing all of God's things, you can be tithing, you can be hearing God, you can be spending time with him in his word, but if you don't have his spirit in you, he may choose to bless areas of your life, but you're not going to be able to walk with him in manifesting that blessing in your life without his spirit in you. When he was able to get his hay, when he was able to get his spirit into Abram's life, at first, Abram was like, there's no way that this could happen. I'm 100 years old. My wife's 99. There's no way that we're going to bear children. There's parts of me that are dead. There's parts of her that are dead. This isn't going to work naturally. And God's like, that's fine. When my spirit gets in you, i 'm going to breathe life into things that appeared to be dead wow. there's things that you 've been believing for, yeah. but you haven't been able to get them because of your level of faith. Mm-hmm. Pastor Jurgen uh, spoke this morning on a message related to uh, to this, and he said when he was back in Australia and had first come to know. God, he talked to a friend of his and his friend said, why doesn't God bless my life the way he blesses your life? Has anybody else ever heard that question? Maybe you're talking to somebody and they're looking at your life and they're like, well, I'm a Christian. Why isn't God blessing me like he's blessing you? And it's a disturbing question to get. It was disturbing to Pastor Jurgen, and he went to God and said, why is it that my life's blessed and this guy's life's not blessed? And God said to Pastor Jurgen, it's because you've given me your whole life. Wow. He's only given me a little bit. You've given me all of you. Wow. Wow. You know, your lung capacity is, uh, is determined by how much you breathe out. Does that make sense? I'll say it again. Your lung capacity is determined by how much you breathe out. Anybody ever get the wind knocked out of them? It is scary. So scary. I fell from like a three-story slide when I was like three years old. First time that the wind got knocked out of me, it was like 1980. So they had slides that climbing to the top of them could potentially end your life. It was also in Canada and people don't sue in Canada the way they do in California. So I'm climbing this slide and there was like a gap, like a three-year-old sized gap between the top of the ladder and the slide. I don't know if it was missing a part or if you were just supposed to jump. But anyway, I fell straight down that little three-year-old-sized gap between the top of the ladder and the slide, and I got the wind knocked out of me. And when you get the wind knocked out of you, you can't even scream. Yeah. So I'm wondering if this is it. Yeah, and my mom's having a pleasant little picnic with one of her friends, like maybe 30 feet away from, from me and has no idea what's going on. It's very scary. It's a scary thing to fully exhale. But your lung capacity is determined by how much you're willing to breathe out. So my message today is called Breathe In, Breathe Out. So there was a... I was a vegan raw foodist before I came to Christ. I was obsessed with trying to make myself perfect on my own strength. And I'd gotten this intellectual idea that if I could just have the healthiest diet on the planet, in my mind, it was the healthiest diet on the planet, Several years in, I was super B12 deficient, and was literally like losing my mind and my hair at 145 pounds and 6'3", but delusionally still believing that I had the healthiest diet diet on the planet. But I did learn a lot about food during that time, and I ate a lot of, of nuts and seeds. And one thing I learned about nuts and seeds is that all nuts and seeds have something called an anti-enzyme in them, which prevent them from being digested. So if you eat seeds that aren't sprouted, your body can't digest them because God doesn't like his seeds to be killed. And he puts things in his seeds that prevent them from being killed because all seeds are meant to multiply and bear much fruit. All of creation speaks to God's magnificent attributes, and as I was preparing for this message today, I realized, gosh, you know, seeds are put into fruit, and not only does the seed have to die, but the fruit also has to die to become compost for the seed to grow in. There's a picture that I have, and this is a tomato. If you just leave a tomato in good conditions on its own, the fruit will start to feed the seed and the seeds will start to come out of the the, the fruit to bear more fruit. It's just the way things are supposed to work. But sometimes when we have good fruit in our lives, we're afraid to let that fruit become compost so that the seeds that God wants to sprout can grow. And I'll tell you, when I came to Christ, the scariest thing for me was to go all in because I thought if I went all in with God, I would lose who I was fundamentally, that I would suddenly become not me, that I would become like, uh, like a Jesus robot, And it was scary because there were some people that looked like Jesus robots that I did not want to be like at all. They did not have good fruit in their life. They were like super Spiro, but they weren't super fruitful. And they were scary to me and to other people that I knew. But I thought that that's what would happen if I went all in with God. I will tell you that God put his seed in you. He created you, a unique expression of him. He meant for there to be a you, exactly how he made you. And he will never kill the part that is you, but he will put the other things in your life. If there is bad fruit, he'll take it and compost it and make it a, a good place for the seed that is in you to actually fully express itself, to become fully you. But you have to be willing to let that former fruit compost. You know, there, there's a, a, in scripture it says if, if a seed goes into a ground and, and it, it has to die in order to become yeah. what it is. But the, the thing about a seed is, is a seed is DNA. And then that outer part of the seed is Food for the DNA to actually sprout. That you'll see the thing that looks like a seed that we call a seed split apart, but it's not the thing that looks like a seed that actually grows, it's something in between that that starts to grow. That the outer part is just fruit for the inner part, but the outer part has to die so that that inner part can start to live. That inner part, you can't even see with your eye. If you split a seed open, it just looks like it's all like that stuff. But if you actually watch a seed grow, all of that stuff dies. But as it dies, it feeds that thing that you can't see that starts to grow. And it's the same thing that's true with us. What I found, the more that I've trusted God, the more that I've given my life to him, the more fully me... I've become. And I'm so grateful that Awaken Church doesn't produce robots. I've never gotten pulled aside and somebody tell me you need to be more like Pastor John or you need to be more like Pastor Jurgen, you need to be more like somebody else who's not you. The only encouragement that I've gotten is to put down the things that aren't me and fully be the thing that God has wanted me to be all along. Does that make sense? Abram had a fruitful life by the world standards. He had a lot of servants. He had a lot of land. He had a lot of goats and cows and other things. He had like an army of people that would fight with him. He was wealthy by the world standards. But he said to God one night when he and God were spending time together, what does this all matter if I don't have somebody to leave a legacy to? And God said, don't worry about it. I'm going to give you more descendants than you can even count. But I've got to get my breath inside of you first. And I'll tell you recently, my wife and I have been going through uh, the home buying journey. And I have lived, we have lived, I have lived personally in this place in La Jolla that we've been renting for the past like 14 years. And it is a great place. We're 150 feet from the ocean. I have a triplex that was three two-bedroom units that we connected all of the units. So it's like six bedrooms, two living rooms, two kitchens. My office is there. It's a great place. And because I've had it so long, rent is super reasonable. But because rent is so reasonable and the place is so great, I've put off buying a home for years. Even though I could, I would always make the excuse... Why would I leave this place? And God had to deal with that in me this year. That sometimes things that look really great are the enemy of what God is trying to get, with, get to you, which is so much greater because our best is nothing compared to his breath. When I looked at my life, there were a lot of things before I came to Christ that were pretty good. I'd been sober in recovery for a long time. I mentored lots of people. I had tons of spiritual sons, but in my heart, I longed for a son and a daughter that were my own flesh and blood. I could have spent all of my time doing that and it would have been fruitful to a degree But if I invested all my time in other people that weren't my family, it would have prevented me from having a family of my own. I was kind of okay for the first few years that I was saved in being celibate. God was reworking a lot of things in my life that had been really, really, really off. And I needed a time to detox and to heal and just spend time with him. And I think I could have been okay Being like that, like God took that drive that was in me to constantly feed my flesh. He took that out of me for a time. But if I had just settled in and read that verse that Paul says that those, uh, there are some that are just called to celibacy, I could have settled into that and made a home there. But I don't believe that that verse is for anybody that has desire for a wife or a husband. God wouldn't do that to you because he's a good father. He gives you the desires of your heart, but he corrects your heart first before he gives you the desires. Don't get me wrong on that part, but God wouldn't put a godly desire in you and then just say no soup for you. He's a good father, he doesn't do that but I could have been super Spiro and settled into that. Well, it's just better that some are celibate and be happy with having spiritual children, but I don't believe that that was God's plan. You know, and I came into this house on my second date with my wife, and we were in a community that encouraged us to do things right. And we dated and I honored her while we were dating. And because we were mature and had great counsel around us and had spent enough of time with God in our healing journeys on our own that when we came together, we didn't have to date for several years to figure out whether or not we were compatible. We knew after like a few months, we got engaged. And then five months after we got engaged, we got married. And one month into our marriage, we got pregnant with my daughter, Ella. And it's been this growth in life. But this year, God was like, you need to buy a home. This place you have is great, but it's not yours. And I don't know what you're missing But look across the the front row and how many people in this church that came in in various areas, had various areas of dysfunction in their life have become fruitful in every area of life. This is a house that does that. This is a, a church that doesn't settle for being saved for one day in the future so maybe you can make it into heaven. We want you to be fruitful in every area of life. God says in his word, I want you to prosper just as your soul prospers. I want you to be in health. I want you to be prosperous in every area. Don't lean into being like super spiro and just being like, oh, it would be better if I was poor. The Bible says that we should desire to be able to give to every good work that God has for us to give into. But I have to let old ideas, old mindsets, there, are, there is old stale air in my lungs that I had to breathe out before I could breathe in. Amen? So I've got a question for you tonight. And we'll pray here in a minute. But are there areas in your life that seem like God can't? You you may trust him for a lot. You may be fruitful in some ways. You may be plugged into community. You may be tithing. You may have found a place in here, but there's something in your life that you're still longing for. And you may have been longing for it for so long that it seems impossible. There were things that I believed were impossible in my life. I was, I was in like every type of addiction possible. Most, most of you know my story, but I had drug addiction and alcoholism as a teenager. God delivered me from that but then I'm trying to provide for myself on my own strength. And I fell into sex addiction. I fell into a gay lifestyle. I fell into an eating disorder. I fell into workaholism. I fell into a lot of areas of dysfunction. And if I'd believed the lies of the enemy who was constantly chirping in my ear, I would have believed that I was disqualified from ever having the life that I have today, that I would never have a wife, that I would never have children, that I would never have a place where I could actually have influence and not worry about people finding about out about anything in my life. I literally don't have secrets. There's nobody that could walk through that door right now that would freak me out, that could tell you anything that I probably haven't already told you from stage. <laughs> There were areas that I cut corners in how honest I was. Like I could be cash register honest, but I feared if I was truly honest that I would miss out on something or I would be misunderstood. But I'm up to date with my taxes. I'm honest with my tax guy. (laughs) There were areas that I had to give to God. I have good credit. That was like a big deal for me. When I married my wife, I had, I had gotten, I, I had had two credit cards when I was in college because they just like hand out credit cards to kids that are new, like on their first day of college. It's like here's your dorm, here's your books, and here's free money. Be responsible with that, even though nobody's ever taught you how to be responsible with that. And so I had two credit cards that were like immediately charged off because I was like, I need a cell phone. I need this. I need that. And then, oh my gosh, there's a bill. And after being harassed by creditors for a couple of years, I paid all of that off. And then I made this inner vow that I'm going to pay cash for everything. I'm not going to play into the credit game that I'm going to just going to be like Super Spiro Dave Ramsey and God bless Dave Ramsey, but there are some things that I believe that God can take you beyond having to put your money in a bunch of different little Ziploc bags, that God can actually heal the dysfunction in you so you can act like a normal person when it comes to money. I'm just saying he's done it for me and because he's done it for me, I believe that he can do it for you. But paying, paying credit cards every month and doing all of those things that normal people do, I just thought I was disqualified from. When Jenny and I got married, my credit score was like 490 or something. And like last time I ran my credit, it was like 848. Like two points shy of perfect. It's crazy. But it was being, it was trusting God that I wasn't permanently and irrevocably damaged, that he could fully restore me in every area of life, that he could make me a functional, healthy, sane, prosperous, healthy human being in every sense of the word. And I want to invite you tonight, if you know that there are areas that you have been too scared to breathe out, that you've trusted or wanted to believe so many times for things that you've gotten kind of bitter, that when anybody even suggests that that area could be restored, like Abram and Sarah, you just laugh at them. And I want to tell you that there is more. So can I get everybody in here to bow their heads and close their eyes? I want to ask you this question. If God's breath created all of the stars in the heavens, what could it create if you let him fully breathe his breath into your lungs? While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you know that there are areas of your life that you have not surrendered to god that you've hung on to them because you've been afraid that if you gave them to god and he didn't change them that it would prove that you were permanently damaged i want to tell you that there were areas in my life that were like that and it wasn't until i had the faith of a mustard seed to trust him with those areas that they started to change if you know tonight that there are things in your life that you need to surrender to God so that he can breathe new life into dead places, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three, one, two, three. God bless you, 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 God bless you. The hands are like the stars in the sky. There's too many to count. God bless you, 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 God bless you all throughout this place. While every head is bowed and every eye is still closed, I wanna have everybody in here join me in a prayer. Repeat after me, Father God, I thank you that you breathe new life into dead things. That there is no dead thing that you can't resurrect. God today, I breathe out every old thing that I've been hanging on to and I breathe in new life. God, I pray that in this moment, as I've been courageous to raise my hand, that I would also be courageous to accept help from a loving community. God, I pray that you would let this church become a community that I could surrender those dark things into your light and be met with people that could encourage me on the journey as I grow. And God, I know that you say that in every testimony is the spirit of prophecy. And I pray you would also use my testimony as a prophecy for those who are still struggling,
0: in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com